Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Horn Call podcast. My name is James Bolden. I'm the publications editor for the International Horn Society and your host. In episode 29, my special guest is Brett Hodge, a brilliant uh, young horn player who is principal horn of the Omaha Symphony Orchestra and also third horn of the Grant Park Festival Orchestra. Uh, Brett has a number of performance accolades under his belt already, and uh, I think he's just going to be one of those uh, players that you're going to continue to hear great things from. Uh, on a personal note, personal note, Brett is going to be uh, a guest artist for our Louisiana Horn Day um, in January 2023. Uh, you can check out our website for that if you... Um, uh, want to find out any more information about it. But uh, Brett has got a lot of great ideas and philosophies related to not just horn playing, but to music and life in general. And I think you're really going to enjoy my conversation with Brett Hodge. Okay, yeah. So, um, really excited to to be talking to you today. We're kind of you know virtually meeting, and we'll get to see each other in person in uh, January of 2023. But uh, thanks so much, Brett, for talking with me today. Of course, it's great to see you via a computer screen. <laughs> yeah, it's you know it's kind of the way of the world these days. But um, it is convenient, though. I will say. <laughs> it is. Really, really. Um, so. Uh, Brett, you've got an amazing, you know, pedigree and performance background, but you, you just seem like a really nice down-to-earth guy. Um, but it, maybe we could start with like talking a little about like your musical background, like how you came to the horn. And I'm always interested in everybody's, you know, path where everybody's so unique. Um, and we're all playing this, you know, curly-looking brass instrument these days. But <laughs> uh, how did you get there, and what uh, what were some some of the things that happened along the way? Yeah, so I originally started on piano at the age of six. Uh, both of my parents are actually retired. My dad was a high school band director. My mom was an elementary music teacher. So I kind of was you know, baptized by fire, if you will, mm -hmm. and thrown into it. Um, I actually wanted to play percussion whenever it came time to start a fifth grade band. And my parents took one look at each other and they said no. And <laughs> <laughs> so they brought they brought home a, um, a Con 6D was my first horn. Okay. And it was great to start out on a double horn and I played, I, you know, I think I was pretty good as an elementary middle school student mm -hmm. uh, and I taking lessons in middle school. And then it, it kind of took off in high school for me. Sure. Where I realized that that was the one thing that I really wanted to do. Right. I, right. I attempted to play basketball, but that was not, not my thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, move, moving on from there, um, I ended up going to University of Missouri, Kansas City, and um, my first teacher was Ellen Campbell there. Mm -hmm. uh, after my first year, she unfortunately passed away. And then my second year, we had kind of some people in and out. We had mm -hmm. Bob Bowermaster, Bill Barnowitz, um, a, a whole slew of people come through. And then, you know, Marty Hackleman got the job for my last two years there. Mm -hmm. And so um, I only have a bachelor's degree, or I like to say barely a bachelor's degree. Um, not totally convinced that they let me graduate otherwise, if I didn't really but, <laughs> uh, uh, academics were not my strong point, but that's okay. That's why I wasn't there. Um, I originally started as a music ed and performance major. Oh, okay. And, you know, I got kind of through that halfway point where I didn't like having a clarinet to my face. 
<laughs> I, I am not the greatest conductor. I can, and I have some ability, but it's, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to do that. Okay. I want to focus just in the practice room on the horn. Oh, that's and, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, one of, one of my teachers pulled me in his, in his office and he said, so I, I, th I think we should have a chat about you dropping your ed degree. And that's not <laughs> something that you generally tell everybody. Mm -hmm. And you know, he and I have joked many times since then. He's like, Hey, you remember that time that I told you to drop your ed degree? Yeah. I think that was the right thing for you to do. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but it was kind of pivotal for me because I had taken my first audition at that point, um, which was for the Kansas City Symphony. So it was okay. really nice just to have my first audition at the age of 19 be right there. Sure, sure. And, um, you know, I advanced, which I didn't expect anything. I had no idea what the process was like. I was just there and I did it. Mm -hmm. Well, it's kind of freeing going in if you have no expectations about, you know, what's going to yeah. happen. It's like, well, I don't know what's going to happen. We'll just go with it. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you kind of start at a, a high point. And then you can either keep going higher or you can go lower and then work <laughs> your way back up. Um, it just, it's all very situational, but For sure. that's kind of how I started. Um, okay. And you know, I grew up in St. Louis, so mm -hmm. I had the fortune of seeing the symphony playing in the youth orchestra and I, a whole slew of great teachers and performers, performers in that city that I still go back to this day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've had the, the fortune of playing with them several times, and it's been great to go back and see where my origins come from. That's um, such a good orchestra. That's, I mean, oh, it's, it's like, an incredible orchestra. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, th this summer, I got I got a call to go play one of the, one of the operas, and, you know, somebody got mm -hmm. sick. Hey, can you come play this opera tomorrow mm -hmm. with 132 pages to learn? <laughs> I thought, oh, great, I'm going to be playing fourth horn. No, hey, you're playing principal. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was it was great. What was uh, the show? It was called Harvey Milk Reimagined. Okay. Uh, it's kind of a, a redone version of the first Harvey Milk opera that came out, I want to say, in the 90s. I don't know exactly oh, okay. the versions of it, but this is the, the reimagined version. Oh, interesting. Uh, some, okay. some changed music and things like that. Hmm. It okay. was very very unique and hard. Um, you know, I had, I had one performance that I sat through kind of just as just a, to follow. Yeah. Battling. Yeah. And then had to, had to do a couple shows. No, no real rehearsal. <laughs> Got right in. It was fine. But, um, yeah, that, that's, that's kind of my, the gist of my background. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. A couple of questions, uh, kind of occurred to me while I was, while I was listening and kind of absorbing what you were saying. Was there at some point, you know, you mentioned kind of, you know, the, the, it was kind of in the cards for you to go into music at some point, but was there ever like a light bulb moment where you were like, okay, this is the path I want to follow? Or was it kind of a more gradual thing where you just kind of by process of elimination, it's like, well, I don't think I want to do that. And I don't think I want to do that. But then this is the path that's kind of before me. I mean, it's, I think for a lot of people, it's some combination of those, like a light bulb moment or light bulb moments, but then other things. Yeah, I would say that there were definitely a couple defining moments okay. that have brought me to where I am today. Uh, the first one being, you know, in high school, you know, getting into the all-state band, all-state right. orchestra, those kinds of things. That was kind of the, the catalyst, the, the first catalyst mm -hmm. to push me in that direction. Um, and I'm very thankful because you know, Missouri has one of the 
great all-state bands and orchestras mm -hmm. and I, it was awesome and i there's still a lot of lifelong friends that i met doing things like that and we've played together we've gone on to do a lot of other things together too and going on from that point i i didn't really know what uh, the life of a performer looked like i lived right. with music educators so i knew what marching band and what an elementary music school <laughs> classroom looked like. uh <laughs> A little different than sure. what, I, what I do. And that's what I thought my life was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And once I got into the orchestral realm a little bit, I learned more and I said, well, I'm going to give this a try. And mm -hmm. then, you know, you start to learn, oh, there's excerpts that you have to learn. You have to do this. You have to do that. There's so many other things that you don't necessarily have the time to be taught whenever mm -hmm. you are younger. Of course, you will learn something that for the audition for the youth orchestra or, you know, a few things here and there, but you don't right. have time to really dive into the repertoire. Yeah. And yeah. so that was something that really intrigued me and I had to learn how to do that. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's a little bit different of a process and it's not, you know, it's not a cookie cutter thing. Right. Right. Different. So at any point along that way, did you, consider a career outside music was there ever like oh i might want to be a, a surgeon or were there other things that sort of like okay <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no i i didn't have any real interests in mm -hmm. um and like i said they kind of shaped me as i went along right well right so it changed i you know i changed with the way that these things happened to me Mm-hmm. And I, I still do today. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I guess that kind of transitioning into this, the next kind of series of questions. Um, so, you know, Marty Hackleman is just like renowned as a great player and great teacher. What what was your, your experience like uh, working with him in your, your last two years at UMKC? Yeah, so we had a great time. We really did. Um, I definitely learned a lot. And mm -hmm. I, I wish I would have had a little bit more time, mm -hmm. him, but at that time it was just the right, again, the right timing for me. Right. Um, I had, I had won my first per service orchestra position while I was in school mm -hmm. and I won my first full-time job, which was with the South Dakota symphony, which actually ended up being like 80% win quintet, mm -hmm. which is great. There's not many people who have had a position like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and I will say that there was a lot of benefit to that because mm -hmm. the repertoire that I was able to learn that you don't get the chance to do. Were you there just after Ryan Gruber? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was, what? I was at Wisconsin with Ryan briefly. We oh, overlapped yeah. a little bit. Ryan's a yeah. good friend of mine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's a good guy. Uh, yeah. Um, no, I was there from 20, the tail end of 2014 through t beginning of 2016. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. And then, I won my job in Omaha right after that, and I've been here since 2016. And then the spring of 2017 is whenever I won the audition for Grant Park, which is just the this, this summer, mm -hmm. uh, eight weeks long and uh, difficult festival, but it's great. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So, so you did you mainly like hit the 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 orchestral audition repertoire pretty hard with 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 uh, Martin Hackelman? Yeah, we did a lot of. We really did a lot. Um, mm -hmm. everything actually, but oh, yeah. I was one of those people in 
my last two years of school, I was taking one or two auditions every month. Uh huh. And whether that was a good thing or not, I learned. I learned a right. lot from myself. Um, and the the way that I like to see it is that I was really hungry for what I wanted, mm-hmm. and I had to go out and figure out how to do that. Uh huh. And I, you know, I would bring things into him, and he would be like, "Okay, try it this way," and then he would play it. And I would try to emulate it. And sure. sometimes you'd be like, great. And sometimes you'd be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've had lessons like that. Yeah. 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 And w- but that that's how I learned the best mm-hmm. was just purely by listening. Um, and then, you know, I would go out and do the score study myself. I had to learn how to do that. I mm-hmm. sometimes when people see that there's an excerpt on the, on the page, they don't realize that there's other things that are <laughs> happening. Um, yep. And so I was one of those people who was like, oh, great. You know what? This is just horn, horn alone. It's a solo. <laughs> that's, not, that's not how that worked. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, but no, Marty and I got along really well. And, you know, he's, he's still a very close mentor and friend of mine. And mm-hmm. We keep touch all the time. Yeah, yeah. Just a uh, tremendously successful teacher and, and performer. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and he just he just retired, and um, it's I'm very thankful for everything that he did for me, and still does for me. Mm-hmm. But I also have a lot of other really great influences in my life. Um, you know, the the people in the St. Louis Symphony, I go back mm-hmm. and I play for them. Um, Todd Bowermaster, Thomas Yoslein, Julie Thayer, Roger Caza. You know, those they are. Yep. You know, th- those people are my heroes. Yep. And. I, I am fortunate enough to call them not only friends, mentors, colleagues, but they, they're huge influences. Mm-hmm. And I, there's other people too that I, now I have colleagues and friends that are doing things that are huge. And it's, you kind of pull a little from everybody. Right. And that's where right. I am right now. It's just, I, I learned from somebody else. I, yeah. I need to fix something with my playing. I ask somebody else. You know, it's, it's not the inundation of 10,000 opinions. It's the searching out the three or four that are the most yep. valuable yep. to you the ones, for that specific instance. The ones that matter. Yeah. For that, for that particular yeah. thing. Yeah. 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 There's no shortage of opinions out there. It's the, it's finding the ones that, <laughs> that are going to be important. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, I guess kind of, it seems like you you had success early on with the audition circuit and you know kind of built on that success but i'm sure along the way you arrived at like this is my process from hearing about the job ad to getting the excerpt list to you know it, t- t- walk us through that cuz i feel like that's that's like you were saying there's no like there's not necessarily a set curriculum unless, you know, if you have the fortune to study with someone who's a really successful orchestral player that's won lots of audition and coached lots of audition winners, there's not really, you know, a a place you can go to say, okay, like six months out, here's what you should be doing. Three months out, here's what you should be doing. You know, what, what has been your process that's worked for you along the way of just gearing up for these auditions? You know, I used to have a pretty specific process where Uh I would, label things as mm-hmm. uh, I would use one, twos and threes. Sure. Yeah. However, I don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I've come to the point where for me, it's more about the music rather than it is just about 
learning, getting it under your fingers. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a younger player, I saw more value in something like that. Right. Which right. was, I really need to learn this and just get it there. And that did work mm-hmm. in some ways. But, you know, I, I kind of had this slump where I, I started out really well, advanced in a few auditions, and then I went down. Mm. Where there was a while where I didn't advance at all. And, you know, I was one of those people where I had to send in that CD before the prelim round. Right. I, I had to go through that process. I, you know, it, it, sometimes it doesn't matter who you have vouching for you. You still have to jump through the hoops. Mm-hmm. But you do that enough times, you get enough experience, then you start to slowly go up and you figure out what works for you, what doesn't work for you, your pre-audition routine, your day of, during the audition, post-audition, you know, Mm -hmm. everything is so subjective. Right, right. I don't want to say that there's one particular way that I did things Mm. that is what I call my own. Um things evolve and things change for sure. Yeah. As me as a player, you know, right now I'm doing a lot of restructuring in my own playing just because I know I can do better. Okay. And I want to, I want to be better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I go out and I do recitals, master classes, and workshops because not only is it good for me to, to do those things mm-hmm. share, but it's, I think it's important to show students that, you know, even, professionals have to work on things, right? Yeah. Not everything is going to be perfect. And I'm, I'm okay with that. Even if if I don't like sharing an imperfect product, (laughs) it's, there's still some value to it. Right. Somebody would find some value. And that's kind of the way that I saw these auditions is I saw value. Even if I didn't advance, I still went and I did it. Right. You know, I absolutely hated taking Lowhorn auditions <laughs> because I truly, I didn't love the music mm-hmm. where, you know, first and third auditions were kind of my bread and butter. And I always did really well in, mm-hmm. and I, I had to figure that out in, you know, the process is way different. It's right. Right. Yeah. So, but I, I saw value in that and I didn't want to necessarily, uh, label myself as a high horn player or a low horn player, even though I most definitely did. <laughs> um, and I, I, I try not to now, but you know, my, my high notes pay the bills. So yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of the thing. Right. Yeah. Well, so you, you mentioned when you were playing in South Dakota, you're doing a lot of wind quintet playing is, was that something you had experience with before or when you joined the orchestra, you were just kind of presented with, okay, this is now, you know, uh, a big part of your, your duties in the orchestra is these, you know, these like community engagement, like runouts and educational concert type things. Yeah. I, I had some experience with wind quintet. I, I uh-huh. played them, played in them all through college. And okay. I, we did what I call some of the standard repertoire, which sure. is good. I, that's it's stuff that you have to do and you need to do. Mm-hmm. But it was not until that I actually got into the position that I figured out, hey, there's a lot more than just the Nielsen. Then, <laughs> right, right. That. Um, you have to do things that are crowd pleasing. You mm-hmm. have to do things that they don't teach you in school. They don't have the time to teach you in school. Right. Um, Pops repertoire mm-hmm. it is extremely important that pops repertoire is in you know 
not ne- not necessarily our audition list or anything like that, but mm-hmm. you have to know how to do it because right. quite honest, that's really what pays for everything. Mm-hmm. And even though, you know, we're, we're taught the masterworks, there's right. so right. much that is out there that is actually more important to fuel what we really do. Right. And then sort of like, you know, how to build a program, how to build like an educational concert. Those are, um, you know, I think the most progressive uh, system I've seen is like, believe it or not, you know, in, in the military groups, they they teach you how to do that stuff because, you know, the military has these quintets and they you win quintets and brass quintets and they send them all over the place. And so they actually, you know, they give them training and, and that sort of thing, which is kind of interesting because you don't necessarily get a lot of that at the college level. No, you, you don't. And, and like I said, there's a, you just don't have enough time. Right. There's so many other things. Yeah. And, you know, I do regret not having a master's degree sometimes, not all the time. Um, but even, even with the, the higher degrees, there's still not time to do right. some of the yeah. things because there are so many other things that you have to fit in there. Yeah. And I think the ultimate goal for a lot of people is to win an audition. Right. You know, but... I, I always like to reiterate that having an orchestral job is not the only career out there. Not, not just for uh, amazing horn players, but for anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a, a good friend of mine, uh, Chris Castellanos, plays in Boston Brass. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He and I have had this conversation. The, the guy is an absolute freak on the mm-hmm. horn. Mm-hmm. But look at the way he does that. He doesn't need to play in an orchestra. He enjoys mm-hmm. it. You know, he he comes and plays with us sometimes whenever he has a free week. You know, very yep. seldom. Um, but that I I think it's important for people to take a look at that and say, right. "Wow, I can do this. I can be this creator of whatever I want to do." Yep. And I I've embraced that lately, actually. Um, even though I you know I do have orchestral jobs. Mm-hmm. And, do I want more? Yeah, I do want more. But I think it's more of a learning experience uh-huh. right now. It's just that I can, if I can do these things, other people can do these things. So why not? Sure. Yeah. Well, I, um, I've not looked at your new website yet. I just saw, uh, I think you, you shared that it was up, but, um, the old website looked great though. I mean, I'm, 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 I can't imagine if, if the new one looks better, I'm sure it's pretty amazing. Um, but you know, that's part of it is like, you know, developing your, professional persona outside of like the group you play with, you know, like you as a solo artist or you as, you know, a chamber musician or, or, or stuff like that. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Cause you do a, a you do a good bit of solo playing, you know, and you're going to be doing a solo program here. So maybe kind yeah. of, you know, once you've got the job that kind of like, okay, I've, I can pay my bills now. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you so now where where do you go from there? How do you develop this and how do you, you know, explore the other interests that you have? Yeah, that's a that's a really difficult but also easy question to answer. Okay. I think everybody once you get to the point where you're comfortable, mm-hmm. you always you always want more. Mm. But there's you also have to remember that there's more to life than just driving yourself absolutely mad practicing the excerpts doing these things and all things that will make you go go crazy right and so i chose to kind of take this solo route 
not in an effort to be the next great horn soloist. You know, I'm I'm not the next Barry Tuckwell. I'm not anything like that. But I have something maybe different than what he had to offer. Mm-hmm. And I'm still learning what that is. And I like to do these things because I like to bring a very human aspect to mm-hmm. these kinds of things. Because I like for students and even other professionals to know that it's okay to not be perfect, mm-hmm. but the fact that there is some value to be grasped. And I, I think everybody sees value in something different. And I just like just to tell people my story. Um, and, you know, like I, I competed in the international horn competition in 2019, mm-hmm. second prize. Um, I learned a lot from that. I, I'm not what I call a traditional soloist. <laughs> You know, if you, if you watch me, I will walk out on the stage, but I'm, I'm pretty calm. Uh-huh. I, I don't, I'm not one of those people who's just like, I'm really happy to be here. You know, <laughs> it, my face doesn't emote that. I'm just like, I've got a nice, uh, you know, upward motion on my eyebrows. Right. I'll, I'll do a nice bow, but I'm not one of those people who's just going to run out on stage and just show that this is super, super exciting because right, right. it is exciting for me. But I just show it differently, and you uh-huh. know, like my my feet were not planted firmly together like this, and my toes weren't pointed the correct direction. <laughs> you know, to each their own. Exactly. Order. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but I was there because I wanted to push myself, mm-hmm. and I had other teachers who had competed in the past and won, and it, it was it was good for me. They always encouraged me to do things kind of out of my comfort zone. And that, that wasn't out of my comfort zone. It was just different. Right. But also the other thing too is having a full-time job and preparing for something like that. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how did you, how did you make that work? That is a darn good question. <laughs> um, so I, I was actually preparing for it um, basically the entire summer while I was working at Grant Park. And okay. if anybody knows anything about the Grant Park Orchestra is that it's a full schedule. Um, you know, we, we do have two days off a week, Sunday, Monday, mm-hmm. but you know, Tuesday through Saturday, we're doing two different programs, sometimes three, depending on what's going on doubles, you know, it's just one of those where we work. Uh huh. It's not a, I mean, it is quote a summer festival just because it happens during the summer. Yeah. Yeah. It's 10 solid weeks of work. Yeah. And I was, going home in between services, doing whatever I could to prepare straps too. Yeah. You know, things like that. And it's difficult. You know, your musicianship will only can only serve you so much. Hmm. You have to actually take the time to learn certain things. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you learned straps too, when you were 16, it's going to be different whenever Mm -hmm. you are, uh, I don't even know how old I was at that time. I think 26 or 27, whatever. Mm-hmm. I it's going to be different. Right, right. And I had to take that time, and I have no idea how I crammed it in, but it was a busy 10 weeks, and then two weeks after that is whenever the competition happened. Sure. And, you know, listening back, there are things that I will definitely do differently now, but at the same time, it was a great experience. It was It was a learning experience, and I didn't go to win. I'm not... I'm not that person. Um, you know, it, 
any one of my friends that every time we go to an audition and mm -hmm. I think like, oh, I did okay, you know, it wasn't the greatest, blah, blah, blah. They'll turn and be like, oh, that means he did a heck of a lot better than, you know, I'm, <laughs> but I'm, I'm not out, you know, for blood or anything like that. It's, um, right. it's just, that's just not my, my persona. Uh -huh. And I like to remain calm, collected, maybe on the side of, well, things didn't go as well as I wanted them to, but <laughs> I think that's because I still feel like I can do better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a normal, that's a completely normal feeling that everybody should know exists. Yeah. So what, what did you play for like the prelim first, second or final rounds for the international horn competition? Um, I did, let's see, it was the first movement of Mozart four mm -hmm. and on foray. And then okay. the second round, uh, I did the Messian, the interstellar call. Sure. España. And then for my final round, I did Strauss too. Okay. Were you just totally sick of those pieces by the, <laughs> by the time you got to the competition or were they kind of where you wanted them to be? And yeah, I, they, I wasn't sick of them. I, at some point I feel like you need to leave a piece for a while. Mm -hmm. You hit a little bit of a, an artistic wall mm -hmm. and finding that sweet spot of being over-prepared versus under-prepared is, is, is kind of difficult. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people think that the more you prepare, the less nervous you are. That's very subjective to the person. And I felt that I, can, I could play Strauss to note perfectly. Mm -hmm. I didn't play it note perfectly, but I felt I had some value and some singing. Uh-huh to what I gave. Do I think I could do it better? Of course. Mm -hmm. But in that moment in time, I gave what I had. And that's, that's important. It is very, very important. But going forward, doing what I do now, I feel like I know where my sweet spot is for preparation mm -hmm. versus performance. And I even have kind of a, a built-in time schedule where I usually give myself about three weeks of leeway because I know something's going to come up. I'm going to have a yep. gig. I'm going to have something where I'm not going to have a ton of time to practice. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, that's my safety. Three weeks yeah, is yeah. my safety. Okay. Uh, from start to, and <laughs> I, I feel like that, that's me. Uh, other people might need less time. They might need more time, but that's, that's the built in for me. Oh, that's cool. So do you have, do you have plans to do, uh, to compete in other solo competitions like ARD or anything else like that? Too old now. <laughs> oh, for ARD? Oh, wow. I think, yeah. I mean, by the next one, I'll be too old. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I just, just turned 30 this year. So, okay. I mean, they, <laughs> they don't, they don't want us as old people anymore. Oh, that's interesting. I don't, I don't think I knew that. Yeah. That, that's interesting. I, I, be I believe there's a, there's a limit. Okay. Uh, but that, that's okay. I, I don't necessarily feel like I need to compete. Mm -hmm. um, I don't feel the need to compete with people anymore. Mm -hmm. I feel like the younger version of me might have said that, mm -hmm. but right now I'm competing with myself. Sure. Yeah. And it's actually more competitive competing with myself. <laughs> other people. Um, and it, it's kind of a, a weird phenomenon. I was just talking to a friend about this the other day. When you are taking an audition and maybe you're the one backstage getting ready to go out on stage and you're listening to somebody out in the hall and you're sitting there, just you're sweating. You're like, oh my gosh, they sound so good. I have no idea how they sound that good. I don't sound nearly like that. 
you get out there and you're freaked out because you felt like you just heard somebody play everything absolutely perfectly. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a filter there. What they played isn't necessarily perfect. Mm -hmm. It's got the beautiful part of it. Mm -hmm. You you know, you weren't in the hall. You weren't listening to that. Right. So for me, I had to learn that, that I might be able to go out there and do the same thing, just maybe slightly different, and feel in to the committee's perspective, maybe sound better on something. Right, right. That's again, that's one of those subjective things, but well, I, it's all in the mindset too. Like, you know, it's competing with yourself, mm-hmm. not with others. Even though there's a very strong case to be made that if you do say, "I'm going to win this audition," you are competing with others. Mm-hmm. But it, it what at what point do you ask yourself, okay, did I do the best that I did today? Right, right. Some days it's yes, some days it's no. <laughs> this is true. I mean, true, to be honest. It, and, you know, I'm at the point in my career where if I don't ever win another audition, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm completely content doing other things, doing solo projects, playing chamber music. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And it took me a while to get there. Because, you know, you're always in search for something, something new, something more. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like I I, I have what I was originally searching for. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, it would be great to be Principal Horn in whatever uh, top three, top five, top Mm -hmm. 10, but it's not necessarily everything. And, you know, yeah, here in my job, yeah. I have a lot of freedom and a lot of flexibility and it's great because I feel like whenever I go and do something, I can always bring something new back to my colleagues. Right. Right. And you can do the same thing for me. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for that. Um, so I guess maybe sort of like stepping out, uh, just out of the just horn lane of things. So who have, who have been and who continue to be your inspirations, like musical or otherwise, are there, you know, you know, colleagues in the orchestra or other, you know, players on, on other instruments or singers that you really look to? Um, and can, this can be, you know, other people that aren't even musicians that are inspirational to you. Oh, uh, talk about a difficult question. <laughs> Sorry. No, 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 it's, it's good. It's good. So, I don't know that I necessarily have what I would call, you know, a list of 10. Uh-huh. I, I grasp it certain concepts from other musicians, from other people in other realms that are not music. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I, I find that when we listen to something in its entirety, we form opinions too quickly. And what I do is if I hear something I really like and I mm-hmm. want to emulate, I will stop it right there and I will go back and mm-hmm. I will listen to it exactly just, just that chunk. Because I know if I go further, sometimes I'm going to hear something that I don't like and therefore it might invalidate what I thought oh, earlier about this passage. Huh. Yeah, so that's why I don't necessarily prescribe to just one person. I prescribe uh-huh. the concept. Right. Um, and... It's hard. You know, of course, I like 
some pop music. I'm going to listen to the rest of the new Taylor Swift album today. <laughs> I have a former student who would just, he would be all about that. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, that, that kind of thing is important. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. It really is. And I feel I can relate to students that I have if I stay up, you know, up on the terms and all of these things. Yeah. But yeah. It is so hard. Well, it changes so fast. It's hard to, it's really hard to keep up. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I, and I also feel like nowadays there's so many more distractions in yes. daily life. Um, and, you know, even I, I graduated from UMKC in 2014. Eight mm -hmm. years ago. That's not that long ago, but mm -hmm. those eight years, there has been a lot that's happened in the world. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like the students that are in that position now, are in a very formative place where not only are they dealing with world events or they're dealing with the invention of TikTok yep. and you know what they call it doom scrolling and of course i'm definitely guilty of it just like everybody yeah. else yeah um i've caught myself being like wow i just spent an hour doing this oh boy i could have been <laughs> you know i it's could just... have unloaded the dishwasher done 17 loads of laundry yeah you know that yeah. kind of thing um but it, I feel like, you know, going back going back to what I was saying earlier, it's it's the concepts that I mm -hmm. feel I can relate to more than just the specific individual. I, mm -hmm. I, I can name 20 different things that I like from 20 different people. Right. But it's going right. to be consistent across the board. I'm not going to like the way somebody slurs. I'm not going to like the way that that person articulates. Uh -huh. yeah. I'm not going to like the way that somebody sounds on this piece, but they sound amazing on this piece. Right, right. Mm -hmm. So it's, again, it's a, it's a conceptual, but that's, that's human. I mean, that's part of the human experience is like, we are, we're, we're inconsistent, unpredictable creatures. I mean, and that's, that's totally okay. We're human. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I think I enjoy that mm -hmm. rather than saying, oh my gosh, this one person is my specific idol. Yeah. Like the guru mentality. Yeah. 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 That's, uh, it's interesting. Yeah. In today's day and age, there are too many resources for us where, you know, we have the internet, we can mm -hmm. listen to 25 different recordings of Strauss too. Yep. We, yep. We, we can do that. We have the access to it. Is it necessarily the best thing? Maybe also maybe not. And I feel like that has kind of contributed to more of a, a homogenous sound. Yep. And yep. I kind of pride myself on having many different qualities mm -hmm. different things. You know, I growing up playing a con 60 and then I moved to an 8D. I played an 8D halfway through college mm -hmm. and I feel like that's where my roots are sound wise. Uh -huh. My concepts, I think of the singing through that, um, you know, we, we all have the, the movies to thank for a lot of this. Oh yeah. Yeah. But if you listen to somebody who really plays a specific type of instrument very well, not only are the qualities there, but there's other things that you can grasp from there. Yeah. Yeah. And I learned that when I shifted to a, a knopf rap style horn that I still wanted to have those specific qualities, but I needed to bring something else in. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so that's kind of how I've formulated my sound and, you know, even 
until recently I was on one horn. I just got another one and I'm learning it and I'm figuring out, you know, I wanted to bring specific qualities from these other instruments. I still have them, still love it, but I right. needed something else because I, I wanted just something slightly different. Mm -hmm. Are you the kind of, are you the kind of player that like, basically you play the one horn in the orchestra and chamber and solo, or do you have different instruments that you like for different, different uh, venues? Um, I have, I, you know, I am the one horn person. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I feel like that serves me the best. However, maybe that's just because I haven't had the need mm -hmm. to have multiples. Obviously, you know, I've got the specialty instruments, right, the desk right. hands, all, all of that. And I think it's really fun to mm -hmm. just play on a single F horn. Mm -hmm. But, it, you know, there's also something to learn from that too. And But it's also great to play on a single B flat. And it's great right. to play on the desk hand. It, 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 to me, it's more about versatility um, and being able to do it than having to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So maybe maybe someday I'll, you know, have 17,000 horns. I mean, uh. 15 <laughs> isn't enough, so. Right. <laughs> Who's, it's, you know, Josh Johnson, don't you? I know Josh very well. Yeah, I figured you would. Yeah, he is the grand master of <laughs> having a bunch of horns, but he, sa he sounds great on all of them, but <laughs> that's that's funny. Shout out to Josh. <laughs> yeah, he, he subs uh, here with us in Omaha quite a bit. He's yeah, yeah. Not too far from here. That's cool. Um, well, uh, Brett, thanks so much for talking with me today. Really looking forward to seeing you in person at the, the Horn Day we're having here in Louisiana. Um, is there anything else you want to leave our, our listeners with? I'm not exactly sure when this is going to go out. We're, this is being recorded in October. And I usually try at some point in these recordings to like make mention of it so that like if I get to this like a couple of months later, it's like, oh man, it's been two months <laughs> since I since I uh, you know, recorded this thing. I, it, it gives me inspiration to like make sure and edit them more, more, uh, in a more timely manner, but <laughs> I, I'm not sure if I can make any promises about when this is going to go out. I don't know, but, but that's okay. Um, you know, I think my, the ultimate message that I want people to receive, not just from me, but from performing, from learning, from doing whatever you do right now is that, you know, there's no reason to be afraid. Hmm. And I see a lot of young players, and I was I was one of these myself. There's no reason for you to be afraid to play. Mm -hmm. There's a point whenever in our careers that we are constantly searching the validation from others, because essentially when we go take an audition, those people are validating our playing by hiring us or right. advancing us at least. But once you get past that point, yes, and a lot of that is just because maybe you haven't developed your musicianship yet. And I'm still working on this. I'm still working on technique. And I, I, it's constantly a work in progress. I am mm -hmm. not going to be the same player that I am tomorrow. But I want people to not be afraid. And once you hit that point, when you have something, maybe scale it back mm -hmm. and you have to seek the validation. And like I said, I am completely guilty of it just as much as anybody else's. But I have found that recently, you know, if I'm, if I'm looking for somebody to listen to something, it's for a very, very specific reason, not mm -hmm. just a general, wow, you sound great. 
you know, I if I send something to somebody and they say, hey, can you listen for this? Right, right. That's the kind of feedback that I have developed myself. Mm-hmm. It, it's more of a, a personal style. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it's great to play for people. And if you get nervous playing an audition, it's awesome to play for your friends, play for your family, make yourself feel awkward, do those things. But take that step back and remember that you have somewhere to go, but there's no reason to be afraid of it. Awesome. Thank you so much. 